Welcome to the Gary New South Wales podcast show, where we explore and discuss relevant issues in the early childhood sector. For more information, visit www.garynsw.com.au. Welcome everyone, I'm your host Antonia Maiolo and today I'm talking to Kate Highfield, an academic from the Ripple Institute at Charles Sturt University, about opportunities for rich learning in mathematics and STEM in early childhood. Welcome Kate. Hi Antonia, thanks for having me on. Kate, research shows that a country's capacity to innovate depends on a foundation of math and science learning. But many are asking, at what age is it actually appropriate to start teaching STEM and why? Well, let's first of all talk about what STEM is. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. And in early childhood, we really love also looking at STEAM, which is Science, Technology, uh, Engineering, Arts and Mathematics. So STEM and STEAM are really looking at opportunities to connect those learning areas in meaningful ways. So when we start talking about when's it appropriate to teach science, well, of course, we're immersed in a scientific world. When's it appropriate to teach math? Right from birth, we're immersed in that world that's mathematical, whether we're counting how many fingers we've got or talking about time in terms of later in the day. So when we start to say when's it appropriate to start teaching STEM or STEAM and that can happen right from as soon as a child's starting to be aware of their world. And so, you know, probably as young as two or even three, we can start applying those areas in a way that's meaningful. So when we're talking about STEM, it's about taking those little chunks of learning in those curriculum areas and applying that knowledge in a meaningful way. So it probably begins around two or three, but certainly as soon as a child's aware, we can participate that way. So now that we've established that STEM should be taught at an early age, can you explain what it looks like in the context of an early childhood setting? Well, in fact, a lot of what children do naturally through play could be linked to STEM content. So it could be scientific. It could even be engineering as a child balances blocks. Children who take photos of their work to remember it the next day, that's obviously using technology. And of course, when we're looking at things mathematically, there is so much maths that children do naturally through play. So for me, when we look at children's play, a lot of children's play can be linked to STEM content. But if we take a little bit further to linking to STEM processes, then we need to do that through play, but also through having intentional tasks or goals. So it might be that a child's naturally building houses in the block corner, and then as an educator, we come alongside that child and extend that natural process into a STEM process by saying, wow, do you think you could be build a tower that's so tall it touches the roof or a house that's so strong you could stand on it. You see, what we're doing there is we're taking a child's natural play and we're extending it with a purpose. By having that purpose, it means that the child has to apply their knowledge in some way. So if we're talking about a a tower that's really high, then they have to apply their understanding of height and their understanding of an engineering to have a solid base to make the structure stable enough to get to height, etc. At the most recent conference held by Gary New South Wales, UTS and Macquarie, you touched on the fact that educators who don't actually feel confident in their own mathematics and STEM abilities are actually less likely to teach it to children in their care. How big of a problem is this? 
I think feeling confident in your curriculum knowledge is absolutely essential to being able to confidently able to teach it. For example, if we ask a lot of parents in particular about what they think of when they think of maths, lots of us unfortunately just think of numbers. We don't think about measurement or base or geometry. So what we worked at on at the conference day was looking at concepts in mathematics and then looked at how we could apply them so that we felt more confident as educators in identifying the mathematics in STEM uh, and then more confident in applying that knowledge. So how can educators go about improving their own skills in these subject areas? Do you know the biggest thing for me about improving your own skills is actually having a go. The most powerful thing we can do as educators is to be co-learners. So if we start talking about science, often you're going to be encountering scientific content that you're not sure about. So when we come alongside a child and say, gosh, I don't know either, let's find out together, then that's an incredibly powerful tool. So when we're talking about uh, learning in STEM, my first piece of advice is to just get in and have a go. My second piece of advice is to look out for training days, whether they be things held by Gowrie or some of the module content in the Learning Hub for Early Childhood Australia. Being aware that you need to develop your skills in an area means that you're more likely to actually seek assistance. And so it's really a two-pronged approach. First thing, get in and have a go and just have a try of some STEM content. And the second thing is keep your eye out for training opportunities. There are some great opportunities offered quite frequently. And so just know, knowing in yourself that you need to target that area will, will help you in develop your, your skills. There are also some great journal articles and things like the Research in Practice series put out by Early Childhood Australia that can really help practitioners to uh, work through developing their own skills. And finally, what advice do you have for early childhood educators in terms of introducing STEM learning into their curriculum in a fun and engaging way for the children? I love this question because there are so many ways we could link STEM learning in our early childhood context. One of the most amazing ways I've seen it happen is just simply in the block corner. It's such a simple thing that can happen and it's where after building a structure, the teacher joins with the children and says, let's draw a picture of this so that tomorrow's class knows what to do. By drawing a picture of it, the child then owns their own construction, but they're beginning to use literacy and obviously numeracy skills in writing instructions of how to build it. Now, instantly, when the teacher joins with that block play and extends block play by drawing a picture and has a purpose behind that, showing it to tomorrow's children, then you're drawing in more children into that play. Mm. So for one of those examples, the Monday-Tuesday class were sending messages to the Wednesday-Thursday class about different block structures. And that became a bit of a challenge every day where the children came in desperate to look and see what was the new block challenge. So that's one way. Another way is to look at your play spaces and look at areas where you've got opportunity for STEM. For example, do you have a place for sorting and classifying? Why not add in a microscope in that sorting and classifying space so you can integrate in some more scientific investigation and exploration along with that? Have you got a space for a child to build a marble run? Now, obviously, in some contexts, you might need to consider a a larger ball instead of a marble for a choking hazard, but have you got an opportunity for that? 
have you got opportunities in your outdoor space for children to construct things? Recently uh, did some filming for Early Childhood Australia. We're building a STEM module, which is very exciting. And one of the services we visited had used pool noodles cut in half to create a marble run in the outdoor environment. It was just incredible. Now, what excited me about that is that the teachers had looked in their outdoor and indoor environments to see when is STEM learning possible. They'd done a bit of an inventory and then in reflecting on that, they decided to incorporate in more ideas. So STEM learning happens naturally through play, as long as we provide the resources and equipment to enable that to happen. But it also happens through those intentional moments. And I gave that example with the blocks earlier. Now, if you're stuck for when you can look at STEM learning with your class, I'm more than happy for people to contact me and to chat further because this is such an exciting area and such an amazing opportunity for learners to uh, be extended in new ways. So happy to chat further if anyone wants to. So Kate, where can people contact you if they're interested in finding out more information? Another little side project for me is connecting professionals as learners. So I actually would love for people to contact me about STEM on Twitter. My Twitter handle is K-A-T-E-Y, twit, Katie, twit. And I would be more than happy to chat with people further on Twitter. Now, of course, at the risk of putting people off, if you're not a Twitter freak, you are welcome to email me, and that's khighfield at csu.edu.au. I'm sure you can put the links in the bio as well. I'm deadly serious about helping teachers do this because it's such an amazing area for young children and has so much potential for us as a nation. If we can create a generation of children who are able to engage in STEM processes and problem solving, wow, what are we doing? We'll we'll be amazing. Kate, thanks so much for talking to us about this and for the very useful advice. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the latest Gary New South Wales podcast. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Gary NSW.